Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Merry Christmas, Connect. We haven't had a chance to meet yet. My name's Chris. Get to serve on the team here. And really, on behalf of our whole team, thanks for celebrating Christmas with us. Throughout the the month, the the expectancy has been building and building and building, and Christmas is almost here. As a kid in December, I was definitely excited for Christmas, but it was honestly at my church's Christmas Eve service, something like this, where my anticipation just reached a whole new level. Now, it's not just because I love going to church on some seemingly random night of the week, getting all dressed up, not my thing as a kid. I loved the Christmas Eve service because that was the first domino in a series of dominoes that would fall that led to Christmas morning. And if I'm really honest with you, my favorite part of the service was not the message like this. It was singing Silent Night, holding the candle, singing the song together. And after about the second year, I knew that's the cue. Like the service is almost over. We're about to go home. Christmas morning's coming. You see, when we get home, we'd, my siblings and I, we'd get into our, our Christmas PJs. We'd put out some milk and cookies for Santa. And then we would sit down on the couch as a family and read a couple of books. The first book we'd read was Clement Moore's Twas the Night Before Christmas. And then when I was a kid, my dad wrote his rendition called Twas a Shepherd's First Christmas, based on the true story of Christmas found in Scripture. And we would read that together as a family. And then I would crawl into bed and I would do everything I could to try to fall asleep. But frankly, I was gripped by the expectancy. I would lay there wondering as a kid, like, am I going to get the Super Smash Brothers video game? As a teenager, it was, am I going to get a phone this year? I just, I struggled to fall asleep, but eventually I would. And then I'd wake up and it'd be Christmas morning. And we'd gather around the Christmas tree as a family. And uh, we'd kind of work, work around, uh, you know, the family as we opened gifts. So from the youngest to oldest, that's how our family did it. My younger sister would go, then my brother, and then I would get to go. And then depending on the number of gifts, my mom or dad would go. And I, I knew as soon as my mom like nudged my dad or got his attention across the room, like grab the camera, like this is the one, like this is the gift. So I would dutifully take the picture and then just tear it open. And after I enjoyed that moment, inevitably, my mom would open like a kitchenware item or something, or my dad would open a shirt from work. And I would sit there with my new video game or Lego set or whatever the thing was, and I'd look over and I'd be like, that is so lame. Oh, how things have come full circle. Let me tell you, when I look at my Christmas list this year, what am I asking for? Shirts for work. Isn't being an adult awesome? Like, it gets even better. I got to wrap the gifts this year, including mine. So there goes all the excitement of tomorrow morning. As Christmas follows Christmas Eve, 
You know what follows the excitement of December 25th? The disappointment of December 26th. At least that's been my experience. Like I get the thing and it's so much fun and then I wake up on December 26th and life looks pretty much the same. Except I am now begging my mom to go to the mall so I can exchange the code or get a new tour, whatever the thing is that I got on the 25th, but is no longer, you know, what I wanted. And as if like that last thing, that last exchange is going to be the thing that truly satisfies. Disappointment always seems to come the day after Christmas. And having ridden this roller coaster of asking, hoping, expectancy building, for Christmas, and then the resulting disappointment that seems to follow on December 26th, having ridden this roller coaster time and again now, here's what I've come to find. Something will never satisfy a longing in me that only someone can fill. And before we just give up hope on Christmas and the gifts and all the excitement, all the hype, all the expectancy, before we give up hope, there is hope. Because there is a Christmas gift that doesn't disappoint. And sorry, not sorry, it's not under your Christmas tree right now. But it is found in the pages of Scripture, where we see the first account of Christmas, and we find the only Christmas gift I have come to discover that never disappoints and always satisfies. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21. If you want a Bible, we've got free Bibles in the back. We've also got a church app. You can follow along there. The words will also come up on the screen. If you're new to the Bible and you're trying to find the Gospel of Luke, it's about three quarters of the way through the Bible. And it was written by Luke. He was a doctor and a historian in the first century. And he wrote this biography on Jesus' life to his good friend Theophilus, so that Theophilus could know who this Jesus is that he had been hearing all about. Before we jump in, let's pause, let's pray, and let's ask that God speak to us now through his word. Lord, we come before you, and we ask that you would open our eyes, our our minds, our hearts to the gift you have for us this Christmas. As we look at the first Christmas, would you uh, speak to us? Speak to each of us personally, wherever we're at today. And would you encourage us? Would you give us hope and peace and joy and a love that overflows? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get into Luke's account, let me give you the backstory on that first Christmas. You see, hundreds and hundreds of years prior, God had promised his people that he was going to send a Messiah. This Messiah was going to free God's people and give them peace, lasting peace. And God made this promise, and and we see this promise show up again and again throughout, you know, this time of year, honestly. We see the prophecies like Isaiah 9, 6, which says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So for hundreds and hundreds of years, God's people heard those prophecies, these promises, and they were expecting and waiting for this Messiah to come. Only problem is, for the last 400 years, God was silent. Not only was God silent, but over that period of time, 
Israel, God's people, had been dominated by foreign nations. Now, at this particular point in history, it was the Roman Empire. Who was over the Roman Empire? Well, here and now, at this point in history, it was Emperor Caesar Augustus. Maybe you remember Caesar Augustus from history class. He's the guy who claimed the title Son of God as a way to kind of gather power and consolidate it under himself. He also, as the emperor of Rome, he initiated what has become, to, become known as the Pax Romana, the couple hundred year, year period of peace, imperial peace throughout the Roman Empire. Well, I can tell you there was a group of people who were part of the Roman Empire who did not feel like it was anything like peace. You see, the Israelites, God's people, were oppressed by the Roman government to bring about said peace. And yet here they are. They've heard the promises and the prophecies, but for 400 years, God has been silent. And then God broke the silence with two pregnancy announcements. The first was to Zechariah. An angel, Gabriel, came to him and said, hey, even though your wife is old, she is going to give birth to a son. You're to give him the name John, and he is going to be the forerunner, the one who comes before and gets God's people ready for that Messiah that you've all been waiting for for so long. And the second announcement is a little bit more well-known. That same angel, Gabriel, showed up to a teenage girl, Mary, with this message. We see this in Luke 1. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, John, John was born just like you'd expect. But Jesus, his birth didn't look like anything you'd expect. Not for the Son of God, not for the King of Kings. And that's where we pick up the story. Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor in Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Okay, Caesar Augustus, the most powerful man on the planet at the time, emperor of the Roman Empire must not have been satisfied. I mean, why else would you call a census? I don't know for sure. I don't need, know Caesar Augustus, but if, I, if he is anything like me, he's probably thinking, okay, uh, this, this isn't satisfying. I know. I'm going to see how many people I have authority over. I'm going to have everyone counted, and then when they look back on history, they're going to remember me and all the people I ruled over. I'm going to have such a prominent place. I mean, you just wait. Let's get all, every household, every person counted. I want to know every single one. I can't call a census. 
but I have played the social media game. And I know a lot of people will post on social media with really pure motives. I have mixed motives. It didn't matter if I was on a date with my wife Amanda or we're gathered around the Christmas tree as a family. I wanted the perfect picture with the perfect caption to get as many likes as I possibly could in hopes that if I could get a lot of likes, maybe I'll feel just a little bit better about myself. Well, I realized this a couple years ago and I realized it doesn't matter what, how perfect the pic is, how, how great the caption is phrased. I don't, even no matter how many likes I get, I still am actually a little disappointed, not satisfied when I look at the like count. So what I did is I just stopped posting. Like I don't post a lot on social media anymore, making me a super lame follow. Caesar Augustus. Caesar thinks, oh, I'm going to impress people with this census. <laughs> little did he know, him and his census was going to merely be a historical marker, a footnote in a baby's birth story. Now, then again, this wasn't just any baby. This baby was the long-expected Messiah. He's the one that the, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This baby was the baby that Gabriel went and shared with Mary that she was going to bear this baby, the son of the Most High, who's going to reign over God's people forever. His kingdom's never going to end. This wasn't just any baby. We're talking about the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords being born. You see, this wasn't just like a moment in history. This was the moment that history had been building towards and building towards and it was finally here. Typically, when a prince was born, he'd be born in a palace to a king and a queen. And the king would then send a messenger throughout the kingdom who would shout, good news, good news. The prince has been born. And the, the, the message that he was communicating was like, guys, it's good news because the kingdom's gonna go forth. Peace will continue. That's how a normal king-to-be would be born. But when Jesus, the, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, was born, his birth didn't look anything like you'd expect. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a stable. He wasn't born to a king and a queen. He was born to a carpenter and a teenage girl. Such an unexpected birth for such an expected Messiah. And the, the unexpected just continues. It continues with the, the messengers who go out and share this good news and the audience they share this news with. I mean, just look at this, continuing in verse 8 and following. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause Great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Not just any messenger was sent to announce this news. 
an angel was sent to announce this baby's birth because this baby wasn't just any baby. This baby was Savior, Messiah, and Lord. As Savior, he would take upon the, the sins of the world and give people forgiveness for those sins so they could have a relationship with God once again. He was the Messiah, the one that they'd been waiting for and expecting. He was going to free God's people. He was going to bring lasting peace. And he was Lord. He, not Caesar, he was the sovereign authority over all. He's the one worthy of being followed. You know, it's quite the announcement for, for this uh, messenger to share. But to shepherds, like, really? Shepherds were not royalty. They were so far from royalty. Uh, some shepherds, they would watch over their own flock. But most shepherds back then were actually hired hands. It was a job that others didn't want to do because society was skeptical of shepherds. Middle East was an arid climate, as it is today. Shepherds, their number one task, feed the sheep, right? They need to find green pastures. So they're a rather nomadic bunch. Them and their flock, they're wandering around looking for green pastures. And society was skeptical of the shepherds because they, they just wondered, like, hey, while the shepherds in the flock were wandering around for however much time on end, did the shepherd sell the lamb for personal profit? So that's society's view of shepherds. It wasn't any better in religious settings. You see, though they were Jews, they're the people of God. They couldn't even participate in the religious practices that God instructed his people to practice. Because the law that God gave his people and what the shepherds had to do for their everyday job they just didn't coincide. What they had to do as shepherds made them ceremonially unclean. They couldn't participate in all these religious activities. These guys are a bunch of religious rejects. So in an age where you got somebodies like Caesar Augustus who are trying to make a name for themselves, now you got these shepherds who had to have felt like a bunch of nobodies. And I can relate. In an age of professional YouTubers and Instagram influencers. Who am I? Just a pastor? Just a dad? Just a random guy? Who are you? Just a salesman? Just a stay-at-home mom? Just an Uber driver? Just a fill-in-the-blank? In a society that celebrates somebodies, we can feel ashamed that deep down we feel like a nobody. But there is hope for us. Because as we see in the first Christmas... God sent an angel to tell a bunch of nobodies that somebody was born. Now, this somebody wasn't just anybody. This somebody was Savior, Messiah, and Lord. This somebody was going to bring peace to everybody. And it started with a bunch of nobodies out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. What do nobodies do when they hear about somebody like this? I mean, what would you do? What I would do, I'd have to come and see for myself. And that's what we see next. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it came time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the unexpected is announced to this very unsuspecting audience, they have to go see for themselves. So as soon as the angel and then the whole choir of angels, as soon as they, they go out, I mean, the shepherds, they just bolt for Bethlehem. They've got to see. Is the baby in the manger just like they said? Because if he is, then maybe, just maybe, everything else the angels said about this baby is also true. And they they come and they see Jesus lying in a manger just like the angel said. What an experience that first Christmas. Now, what do you do? What do you do when expectations are exceeded? You got to celebrate and share. Like, you got to get the word out. I picture them going around Bethlehem. Good news, good news. A baby's been born. The Prince of Peace has come. Our Savior, Messiah, Lord, he's here. He's here. How funny. It's not royal messengers who are going out and sharing this news in the kingdom. It's a bunch of nobodies telling everybody about a somebody. When Jesus exceeds our expectations, what would it look like for us to celebrate and share this Christmas? Maybe it's around the the dinner table. And yeah, you have your pie and you got your favorite dessert. What if you also had a birthday cake? Especially if you got kids. Birthday cake screams we're celebrating someone's birth. And that's what we're celebrating this Christmas. So maybe it's a birthday cake. Maybe when you... You get that that perfect picture of you and your family around the tree. It's awesome, and you're going to go to post it online. What if instead of having the goal of gaining likes, you genuinely share the hope and the joy that you got in Jesus this year? I don't know, just a couple of ideas. Because whatever it looks like for us, like the shepherds, it's on us to celebrate and share this good news. As we close, let me tell you why Jesus is good news to me this year. Uh, Looking at my own life, looking at the world around me, I see a whole lot of brokenness. A whole lot of brokenness. And as I've shared, I've tried different things. I've tried more stuff. I've tried more status. Neither have satisfied for very long. If anything, what they do is that those attempts, they just kind of like snap me back into more brokenness, more disappointment, more discouragement. But what I see in the first Christmas is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That if I believe in him, I can have life, eternal life with him. And once I, once I recognized this truth and I received God's gift and I believe Jesus is my Savior, he's the one who saves me from my sins, he is the Lord of my life, he's the one I follow. As soon as all of that clicked for me, things started to change. I found there was a peace, there was a joy, there was a satisfaction that just lasts. Sure, I'm still sinful, I still mess up, I I still blow it. I blew it this past week, it got stressed out and it just came out. And I still live in a world just like you that's characterized by brokenness. But you know what? I got hope. I have hope because 
What scripture tells me is that Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back this time, he's not coming back as a baby in a manger. He's coming back on a white horse bringing victory. He's going to make all things new. I have a, a peace, a peace that, that only Jesus can bring. That sin in my life that has separated me from God, well, Jesus stood in the place so I can now stand before God. I have peace with God. And when I blow it with others through Jesus, I can be a person of peace in my relationships. And I am satisfied. You see, I am satisfied this Christmas, not because of what's under the tree or even who's going to be around the tree with me. As thankful as I am for all that tomorrow holds, I am satisfied this Christmas because of who's in my heart. Jesus, he is the one who satisfies a longing in my heart that something never could. And what's true of me can be true of you too this Christmas. I don't know how you got here today. Maybe it was an invite from a friend or a family member. Maybe it was a mailer you received in your mailbox. Simple Google search. However you got here, you're here. Like the shepherds, you're coming. You're seeing. Is Jesus who he says he is? I just want to encourage you, if you're curious about Jesus, you came to the right place. Because this is a place in a community where you can even be a part of, you can belong with us before believing what we believe. So I would say keep coming, keep exploring, keep at, and ask questions. Together we can get to know Jesus more. Now, maybe, maybe you're here because God just wants you here. And you've been searching for satisfaction. You're trying the stuff. Maybe you've tried status and you've found what I found. It's coming up short. There's more disappointment, more discouragement than the American dream promised. Or maybe, maybe you just feel like a nobody in a world of somebodies. Wherever you're at, whatever you're processing internally, I got good news for you. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that if you believe in him, you will not perish. You will receive everlasting life. You don't have to experience life forever apart from God. You can experience life with God now and forever. You can have hope. You can have peace. You can have satisfaction that lasts because Jesus is the Christmas gift that doesn't disappoint. And, and as God is offering this gift to you this Christmas. He's offering Jesus to you. Just like any gift, we've got to receive it. Scripture teaches us that the wage for our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life with Christ Jesus our Lord. We just need to receive that gift and believe that Jesus saves us from our sin and that he's the Lord of our life. He's the one that we're going to follow all of our days. He's the one that we're going to pursue. Now, if you'd like to receive Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to receive that gift this Christmas. In a moment, I'm going to lead a very simple prayer. The words are not magical. God would rather hear your heart, your words, than simply repeating what I say verbatim. Because God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son so you can have a relationship with him. And scripture is very clear. If we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we're going to be saved. We get to receive the gift that first Christmas God extended to the world. So if you would like to receive Jesus and express your heart to him that you believe who he is, then I would invite you to pray with me now. 
something like this. God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the first Christmas gift. I recognize that stuff is not going to satisfy. I recognize that my sin gets in the way. And Jesus, I need you to forgive my sin. Would you please save me from my sin? I believe that you are the Lord and the King of Kings, and I want to follow you with my life. So would you help me do that from this moment forward? In your name, Jesus, amen. If you just received Jesus and received life with God now and forever, in the, the, the peace, the hope, the joy, everything that comes with Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Because here's what we know. We know that following Jesus, uh, that leads to life. And we know that following Jesus is way better together. So great, you made a personal decision to follow Jesus, but we would love to celebrate. We'd love to come alongside you. We'd love to support you. Let us know on your Connect card. You can just check the box that says decided to follow Jesus and I'll be in touch this week. I'd love to hear a little bit of your story. I'd love to find out how we can encourage and support you as you begin this journey of following Jesus. Let me do this. Let me pray for all of us. Actually, I'll pray for us in just a sec. If you fill this out and you're like, what do I do with it? Back table, there's a little basket there. You can put it there. I'll grab them after the service and I would love to be in touch. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to gather like this. Thank you that uh, you did give us Jesus so that we can have life. We can have lasting satisfaction. We can experience life to the full. And we are so grateful for that. So Lord, thank you in advance for the, the gifts that we're going to open under the tree. Thank you for the people we're going to celebrate with over the next 24 hours. But more than anything, thank you for yourself. Thank you that we can have this conversation, that we can have a relationship with you. You are so good, and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, 